And uh, I've just been uh, over the last, I don't know, probably week or two weeks just uh, struggling or wrestling with this thought process of how do you preach this one to a church? How do you tell someone to go the second mile? Ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about telling someone to go that little bit extra? Like, hey, church, uh, we just want you to go extra. What do you mean go extra? I come every Sunday and sit in a pew. Great. Would you think the kingdom of God's a little bit more than just that? And so this morning, I really want to talk about counterculture. I really want to talk about, you know, the second mile. And, and today, as we go through this, I want you to have a heart open to hear this. Have a heart open to not just hear it, but act upon it. See, the kingdom of God, you know, it, it is counterculture. And, and you have a look at the world today. You have a look at pop culture today. It says take. It doesn't say give. You know, pop culture would say, sue for what you've been robbed. Heaven says, bless your enemies. When culture says, defend yourself, plead your case. Heaven says, I will fight for you. Heaven says, love those who hate you, pray for those who persecute you. Heaven says, those who try to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Have any of you actually sat at your kitchen table and wrote a list of what the world says and a list of what God says? Has anyone ever done that exercise? Has anyone ever come up with those countercultural issues right there? When it comes to the Word of God, when you read through the Word of God, sometimes you look at it and you think, how's that ever going to work, God? What were you thinking? I could have written something better than this. It would have been self-orientated, but at least I would be happy. At least I wouldn't have to step out and help anyone. Anyone ever thought about doing that? Is it just me? It's just me. And then you've got Jesus. He comes to earth and he says the kingdom of heaven is like this. He makes broad statements. He, he starts to teach on how we should live our lives. In Matthew chapter 5, we find that he's with the multitudes and he has his disciples and he goes up onto a hill and he, and he takes a seat and he starts teaching them about the ways of heaven. He starts teaching them about the things of God. He starts speaking to them about the Beatitudes, how we should conduct ourselves. He starts teaching us about, you know, murder starts in the heart. He starts teaching us of all these things and sharing them to his disciples. And then he comes across this one about going the second mile. I looked up the second mile. I started reading about it. I started studying about the second mile. I started looking at cross-referencing and things like that. I don't think anyone really wants to touch that in the Bible. I think it's almost a touchy subject about going the second mile. 
is that the first mile, it's comfortable. The first mile is about obligation. It's about, you know, something that is required of you. The second mile is by choice. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 38. It says, You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist the evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Jesus is sitting there and he's teaching the Jews, he's teaching the people of the day. And, and what we've got to realize in context for this scripture is that as he's teaching them to do these things, they're looking at him thinking, what are you talking about, Jesus? Because any Roman soldier of that day could go to anyone in the land, the land that they occupied, and it was required of that person if they were asked to carry their bags one mile. So any ranking soldier could go to any person they wanted. Is that you could have been someone of royalty in that country. If the lowest Roman soldier came to you and said, could you carry my bags, carry my bags one mile, they would have to. So to carry someone's bags in that day was humiliation. It was a sign of someone lording it over you. And now they're sitting on a hill and Jesus is telling them, you know, don't carry that bag just one mile, carry it two. Thousands have flocked to Jesus right now to hear him speak, to hear him teach. And as they're hearing him teach, they're like, yeah, but aren't you the, the one, the Messiah? Aren't you supposed to lead a revolt where we come up, we rise up with arms and we, we take over our oppressors and we free our land and we all live in liberty forever after? And he teaches. If someone compels you, One mile, go two. One mile is just obligation. One mile is a requirement. Two miles is an act of the heart. If we were to look at it in today's context, is that some of us, we're required, our workplace requires us to go one mile. If you look at and if you employ someone, or maybe you're sitting next to someone right now, is that, you know, one mile is like self-orientated. It's like I'm required to do this. I will just do bare minimum. You know, we've all got that person in the workplace. You know, they, they turn up five minutes late to work. They go home five minutes early. Does anyone work with someone like that? Or we all go the second mile. We're 15 minutes early, 20 minutes late. Really quiet in here. No one's owning up to anything. <laughs> Nothing. Well, who's sitting next to someone that always turns up five minutes late? 
Sorry I slept in this morning. I'm here right now, but it's all good. But, but it's out of obligation. It's like this entitlement. It's, it's like these people, they, they, they live in the first mile. People that live in the first mile live close-handed. They, they don't give. They live close-handed because it, it's easier for them to raise their fist and just say, you know, it's my rights, it's my entitlement. People that live in the second mile live open-handed. In the first mile, it's all about us. It's all about what we can get out of it. It's, it's not really about what we can give. When you live in the second mile, it's about what can I invest into those around me. I, I'm fine. There are, there are Christians that live in the first mile. That, that's all right. But I tell you what, when you step into the second mile, that's when true blessing comes. That's when the miraculous takes place. That's when God can move. He sees faith within your heart. The first mile is maybe where we just come and we just, we just sit, we do our Sunday and then move on. You know, church is every day of the week. It's us. We are the church. We are to be a light. We are to be the salt. And Jesus, he's here, he's sitting, and he's like, hey, you know, I just don't want you to live in the, the first mile. You know, the first mile, that's great, but, it, it, but it's just self the second mile is where you bless those around you. And so he's sitting there, he's, he's blowing their minds and he's like, well, what are you even saying? What's going on? The first mile is entitlement mentality. It's an entitlement mentality. Not many people want to go past the first mile because living in the second mile can be uncomfortable and costly. The second mile can be uncomfortably uncomfortable and costly. Every time I step into the second mile, God draws me into that place. I know it's going to cost me something. It's either going to cost me finance, it's going to cost me energy, it's going to cost me time. But I tell you what, it's so worth it. It is so worth it because I see the blessing that comes around. Hopefully not everyone's, you're all good. No one's uncomfortable. It's, sometimes it's an awkward, touchy subject for some people. But that's where the blessing comes. You know, something worthwhile always costs you. Think about that time, middle-aged gentleman, that you saw your wife across a room. When you glared at them, you looked at them and you're like, hubba hubba, yeah, that's... You know, right there at that moment, you weren't thinking dollar signs. But who knows, anything worthwhile costs you. Young men in this place, young men in this place right now, you know, that moment that you're about to ask that woman out, you're about to say, hey, listen, Josh knows this. Anything worthwhile costs you. You know, an engagement ring, it's like three months' wages. We'll ask Josh next week whether it was worth it. Anything worthwhile costs you. The first mile, I find, can be about self about requirements, about 
what I have to do. It's self-focused. The second mile is about others. I find this is that in the second mile, it's an internal struggle before it becomes an external expression. It's an internal struggle on whether we're going to make that step before it becomes an expression in our life. I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had this internal struggle. You know, he came to earth so that we could have a relationship with God. But he came to earth. He was right there at that moment where he was about to go to the cross. He knew what was coming and he sat in that garden. He was on his knees, sweats of, sweat of blood, and he makes the statement, not my will, but your will be done. It's an internal struggle of the wills. It's an internal struggle of our heart. It's an external struggle of our desires. His desire and our desire. But in order for us to go into the second mile, we put our desires aside in turn to fill up, fulfill his desires. One thing that I find about God is this. He knows best. Because when I give up my desires, his desires become my desires. And then I realize he was right all along. Jesus at that moment, he's on his knee, he's sweating blood and he has this internal struggle going in. But right there, he says, he makes the statement, not my will, but your will be done. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy will in heaven. Lord God, your will. When was the last time you were on your knees and you just said, God, okay, your will right now. What is your will right now? What do you want to see take place in my life? What do you want to see take place around my life? But no, most of us go to God and say, God, me, 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 and me. coming with a heart of saying, God, okay, right now, your will. Your will in this place. I, I believe this, the second mile is a call to walk differently to this world. It's a call to walk in faith. It's a call to take hold of the principles of God and step out in what he's called you to do. It's a call to take hold of his word. If you look at it in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. What I find is this, is when God compels me, draws me into the second mile, I don't really have an end in mind. It's like closed orders. In the Second World War, what would take place is in the Navy is they would be given coordinates to take their ships out. Longitude, latitude, they would go out. And before they were just about to leave the docks, is that they were given an envelope. And they weren't, under any circumstance, open the envelope till they got to their destination. Sometimes I think God's like that with us. He just says, hey, listen, I want you here 
at this time, at this place, and then that's it. And you're like, okay. And human nature is like this. God, could you just give me a little bit more? You want me to be where at what time? Do you know that's dinner time? Do you know, I've got four kids. You know how hard it is to get from here to there? You know how many people I've got to plan? And he's like, no, no, this is what I want. And it's like this, the ship goes out and then all of a sudden they, they get to open their closed orders and they open their closed orders and they find out what their mission is. I believe for us, it's the same when it comes to having faith in God. As God never reveals everything, he just reveals the next step. Probably talk to Moses. Moses growing up as an Egyptian. He probably had no idea that he was going to be the saviour of the Jews. At a young age, he had no idea. He had no idea that all of a sudden he'd be a sheep herder. And from a sheep herder, he would come back and lead the Jews out of Egypt. You think about David. David sitting in the field. Just sitting there. If you told him, if you went up to him, hey, mate, you're going to be the next king of Israel. <laughs> yeah, right. But as God started to guide their footsteps at each moment, think of Abraham. Gets to a ripe old age. You're going to be the father of many nations. Yeah, right. Have you seen my wife? You know how old I am. But all of a sudden, these things take place. I love Smith Wigglesworth. He says, fear looks, faith jumps. To enter the second mile, sometimes we just have to jump. We might not understand all the things of God, but we need to hear the voice of God and obey the voice of God. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. It's a focus that moves from self to saviour. The second mile is a focus that moves from self to saviour. The next thing that I find is that living in the sex, in the Whoa. Oh, could someone delete that from the podcast? That'd be great. Thank you. Dave's excited. Young, anyway. Living in the second mile is a powerful vision of a Christ-filled life. It's a powerful vision of a Christ-filled life. Is that living in that, it demonstrates who Christ is to the world. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, I have died, but Christ lives in me, and now I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. I find this is that Jesus never asks us to do something that he is not willing to do first. He never asks us to do something that he has not done himself. Living in the second mile, sometimes we think, well, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I, I, 
Really? Have a look at how Jesus demonstrated it to us. Jesus, the saviour of the world, he washed feet. He he touched lepers. He calls people to be the salt and the light of the world. He tells us how to treat our neighbours, our spouses and strangers. I believe this is that Jesus calls us to serve on purpose. The second mile, it's a heart struggle, but out of the heart struggle, it becomes a vision-filled life, a life of purpose, His purpose, His purpose, His purpose. Jesus calls us to serve with purpose, looking for opportunities that arises to impact this world for good. And for God. He calls us to do that. It's purposed. I look at how we do church, why we do church, why we do what we do, and it's all on purpose. I look at the kids' ministry downstairs. It's not a babysitting club. People have put their hands up and said, you know, I want to invest into the next generation. Is that they put their hand up and they say, hey, this is what I want to do. They have purpose in their heart to implant foundations that will stand the test of time. During the week, they write curriculum. During the week, they put things together. They they put a band together. They put all these things together. They, They package it with purpose. They go the second mile so our younger generation can rise and be founded in the things of God. Our youth ministry doesn't happen just because we open the doors. Again, it's purposed. Even though they do play Pokemon Go. But it's not, not about the games. It's actually for the leaders, it's about the discipleship that takes place. The second mile takes purpose. It takes purpose. The music team, during the week, they go the second mile, they purpose in their heart to practice. So that on a Sunday morning, the presence can fall in this place because they know how to hit the right keys. I thank God for that. Again, it's purposed. It's purposed. It's individuals saying, hey, we've got a call and we're going to go the second mile. You know, Christians, we, we can live in the first mile and that's fine. But it's when you move into the second mile, you become a blessing for others and for those around you. I love what Robbie Sangrega said. He's a uh, clinical psychiatrist up on the Sunshine Coast and, and we had him preach for us a few years ago and just talking with him and, and what he does overseas and he re- rehabilitates child soldiers over in some of the African countries and 
and sex slaves and things like that. He works with those things. And, and he said, you know, he, he has this testimony. He speaks about it. He shares about it. And he has a lot of people come up to him and they're like, hey, listen, you know, can we go and do that for you? Can we? And he's like, well, okay, what, what have you got? Like, ah, Jesus just put it on our heart. This is what we want to do. We want to come and serve on the front line. We want to be there. And he's like, no, no, that's not going to help. Go back, get an education, put yourself through university, then come back and see me after that. Really? Well, yeah, that's the second mile. That's purposed. God does call us to live purposed lives. If we want to be the best that God, best that we can be for God, then we need to purpose in our heart. We need to decide in our heart. We need to decide in our heart what sort of witness we're going to be. It's like losing weight. You know, some people we, we purpose it in our heart. We're, we're, I'm going to lose weight today. I'm going to lose weight this year. First bakery you go past. Uh, I, I'm the culprit on this. I'm the first one in there. My kids follow. Or for those of us, we're going to get fit. Oh, we buy a gym membership and never go. <laughs> Alicia. <laughs> but some, we, we do these things, that, but the second mile, it, it's purposed. The second mile just doesn't happen. It's purposed. He empowers us to make a difference in the world today as we mirror the actions and attitudes of Jesus himself. That's how it works. Jesus gave himself to meet the deepest need man has. That need was a relationship with God. Our hearts must be tender to the need of this world. Our hands must be open so others can see God's works. The world lives with closed fists. It's my right. It's my privilege. It's, it's what I deserve. It's my entitlement. Where a Christian lives, I didn't deserve any of this. I didn't deserve any of this. I didn't deserve my Saviour dying on a cross. I couldn't earn any of that. And that's by grace. That he would go the second mile. He would work through his internal struggle. He would get a revelation that God's will is and walk into it. And so for us, I believe if we're going to go through into the second mile, we need to live with open hands. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to love those around us. We need to love those around us. In this moment, people come face to face with the heart of God. Can you picture the soldier's face where he compels 
a follower of Christ to carry his possessions one mile. And the guy looks at him and, yep, no worries. He carries it one mile and then all of a sudden the guy's like, well, hey, how about I just, we just go another mile? Imagine the soldier's face when he sees kindness instead of hatred. When he sees a, a willingness instead of an obligation. Joy instead of bitterness. What testimony would that be to that soldier right there and then? Maybe, maybe after that sermon was spoken, someone went and did that to that soldier that came to Jesus. The soldier, you know, the, the one that came to Jesus and said, you know, can you just say the word and my servant will be healed? Maybe it was a follower of Jesus that encountered that soldier first for that soldier to have that faith. And Jesus is like, well, I haven't seen such faith in all of Israel. Maybe it was a moment like that. Or maybe for us, it's the moment where we hang around an extra half hour to an hour for our boss without pay. Whoa. What? Can we do that? Maybe, what impact would that have on his life? What impact would that have? I remember moving to Queensland. I've shared this story before. I remember starting out and I, I got a job at a panel shop. And a lady got me the job, and a great job. I loved working there. And um, I remember working for this guy, and, and his wife went to church, but he never really went to church. And I remember working for him, and then I, I thought it was crazy because I moved from Melbourne to here, and everyone works from 7 till 4, and then they go home. No one does overtime. No one does nothing. I'm like, what is this place? Is everyone on 24-hour holiday? What's going on? It's Queensland. And so I'd always stay back. I always do overtime. I always do that extra. I'd always. And then I remember. I gave him, get this, nine months' notice before I left. I said, at the end of the year, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to Bible college. I love working for it. It's great, but this is what I'm doing. I remember the last week, he came into the spray, spray booth a few times. He just walked around, and I knew something was on his mind. Comes to me, he goes, Will you stay? I'm like, sorry, mate, can't stay. Okay. Walks out. Every day he came back in, walked around. Would you stay? Can you stay? I said, sorry, mate. Extra money won't help, will it? Sorry, mate. That's the call. I remember from that moment, I resigned. I actually still have keys to the panel shop this day and the code. But I, but I resigned but that Sunday after Sunday nights I was blown away as he and his wife walked in the back door and I'm like 
All I did was worked. All I did was looked him in the eyes when he spoke to me. All I did was paid him respect as an employer. And this day, him and his wife still walk through those doors. I think, how many of us could be a witness like that? Just a little thing like that is the second mile. A little thing like that is the second mile. And church, I want to ask you, will you live in the second mile? Because the second mile brings blessing to those around you. The second mile brings a breakthrough to those around you. The second mile brings... And, and who knows how long that wife was praying for her husband. Brings a miracle for others. Today, will you live in the second mile? Father God, I thank you that we have an amazing church. Lord God, today I pray that we have a revelation of ourselves, for ourselves, of how to live in the second mile. And Lord God, as we live in the second mile, Father God, that we become a blessing to this nation that we become a blessing to the communities around us, that we become a, a blessing to the families that we come in contact with. Father God, we become a blessing to those that we work for. Today, Father God, let us have eyes to see what you see. But God, let us have the faith to step into the second mile and what you've asked us to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen.